Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome. It's great to have you with us today from wherever you're watching. Um, It's an honor to have you and uh, we pray that God would speak to you through this message today. Coming soon, Jesus returns the sequel today. I had a lot of great response from last week. So we're going to look at the return of Christ for a second week in a row. And what are we doing this series for? Well, I want to encourage you to to keep your eye from the big picture, from the big scope of things, to to not just look at life from like the mundane of every day. And and when we make decisions, to look at the big overview picture. What is this all about? There is an eternity that you're going to live for eternity if we have Jesus and we've made him our Lord. And without him, then we won't live forever in heaven. And by having a, a understanding that one day I'm going to die, you're going to die. One day Christ is going to return. There is an end. It keeps us sober in how we live our life and, and, and how we make our decisions. The, you know, are we living our decisions according to the short term, to short-term pleasures, to, to what, how we want to do things according to our way? Are we actually being heavenly-minded? Are we being ambassadors of heaven? Are we living our lives according to the way Christ would have you live, you know? One day we're going to be accountable before the judgment seat of Christ. And before him, only those things that have been done according to his will and according to his purposes are going to last. Everything else is going to burn away. They're the things that will be eternal. And there is an enemy that we sometimes forget that is out there to destroy you. There is an enemy trying to cause you to be deceived from the truth, from being deceived about looking at life from the right perspective. An enemy that wants to entrap you and snare you and keep you ignorant and distracted from doing what you've really been called to do. See, we spoke about this last week, and if, if you um, didn't hear that message, I encourage you to go to our website and have a look at um, Coming Soon Jesus Returns, the part one. And we talked about that movies such as like Batman Returns or Superman Returns, the producers actually have what calls a, a preview or a trailer. And that preview or trailer is designed to get you to be interested in seeing the movie, to, to whet your appetite, to, to kind of have you starting to get excited about the movie coming out and that you would go and you'll spend your money seeing that movie. And so God in his Bible has previews or trailers. And last week we looked at the book of Revelations and what it says about the coming of Christ. And this week we're going to look at the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, and, and what Jesus says about his second coming. And that the, the messages in the Bible that talk about the second coming of Christ, they're previews, they're trailers to help you and I to understand and be ready and to be expectant that he's going to come again one day. See, Jesus warns the disciples that subtle, seducive um, mindsets and worldviews will come into play and cause many to live in ignorance. You know? If the enemy can cause you to live in ignorance and not have your eyes on the fact that Jesus will return or that your life is temporary on this earth, He'll have you living according to how you want to live, according to your way. And that's going to be opposite to God's way. Jesus warns us that the majority of humanity is going to get caught off guard and not be ready for his return. But however, accepting Jesus as your Lord is the gift of God that will give you eternal life. And it's the first step to being ready. It's the first step to avoiding eternal judgment. What does Jesus say about his return? Let's let's have a look at that. And and, uh, Jesus says that, in regards to his return, that he wants us to live balanced lives. He wants us to live with wisdom and balance as we're waiting for his return. 
See, I remember when I first became a Christian in the 80s, there was a group of Christians or a mindset that Jesus is going to come soon. He'll be here in five years. He'll be here in six years. And Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist. And all this kind of crazy stuff went around. And I had friends who weren't going to buy houses. And they were going to drive bombing cars. Because why go and get an education and invest all your money? Because Jesus will return soon. Well, he didn't return then, did he? It's 2020 right now. But there's also this other mindset that, that there is no eternity. Or sometimes Christians live and people live like, they're going to live forever and that Christ isn't ever going to return or they're never going to die. And they can live as if there's no consequences for how they're living on the earth. They can live as if there's no consequences for what they do and that they're not going to have to face judgment one day. And so many Christians live like that. But there's a couple of mindsets in the Bible that I want to look at. And in Matthew 25, Jesus actually talks about two parables. One parable is about the parable of the virgins. There's 10 virgins and they all go out to wait for the bridegroom to come. And they take their lamps with their oil, but five took backup oil, and a five didn't take backup oil. And they went out waiting for the bridegroom, and he took a long time to come, and it was night, and it was getting close to the midnight hour. And the five that didn't have backup oil had to go ask the other five, can we have some of yours? And they said, hey, no, we've only got enough for us. And so the five that ran out of oil had to go back to town. And then while they were away, the groom arrived and the five that had the backup oil were lit, ready for the groom. And the groom let them into the wedding banquet. And then the other five came along and the door was closed. And they knocked and Jesus says, hey, I never knew you. See, a thing about this parable that I see is Jesus says that I never knew you. But also, can I put it to you today that the five that had the extra oil, extra virgin olive oil, we might say, those five actually knew the groom. Why do I say that? They knew the groom and that they knew he has a tendency to be late maybe. Or they knew the groom that he was coming from a faraway land. Either way, they knew the groom's situation. They were aware of the climate or the environment and the nature of the groom. So they took extra oil. The ones that didn't were the ones that Jesus says, I never knew you. See, that's why we need to be followers of Christ and living lives that are according to his will and purpose and relationship with him. And then Jesus tells a story of, of the parable of the talents. And again, there's a master who goes on a journey, similar to the groom who's away and is returning. And so this master gives five talents or coins to one servant. And he gives two to another and one to another. And while he is away, just as Jesus, and he's going to return one day, the master's going to return one day. And the guy that had five and the guy that had two invested they got involved. They, they, they were industrious. They, they, they didn't forget about the master being away. They actually like were involved with the world and the affairs of life. And they created another five. And the one who had two created another two. But the one who had the one buried it in the ground. And when the master came back, he said to the guy who, who made five more out of the five, so he had ten and the other one had two, made two more, so he had four. He, he rewarded them for their faithfulness. But the one who had the one and buried it was condemned. See, I'll put it to you again that the one who had the five and the one that had the two, they knew the master. They knew the master's will. They knew the master's heart and the master knew them. And they were called faithful. The one that had the one was still a servant that didn't know the master's will. They actually didn't know the master. And I would say Jesus would say, the master would say, I never knew you. See, there's many, the Bible says that when they stand before him and he'll say, I never knew you. And they'll say, hey, we cast our demons in your name. We did miracles in your name. We prophesied in your name. He said, I never knew you. See, it's, it's not just about doing the stuff. It's actually about knowing him. 
and following his will. Not what you assume is your will or you think this is his will. What is his will? By knowing him and following his will and being obedient to him, you're one that Jesus says, I knew you. See, Jesus wants us to be watchful of the times and the seasons we're in. And we're going to read a a significant passage of Scripture here in Matthew, chapter 24, verse 29 to 35. And I just think it's good to let the word wash over us. So we can hear all these theories and end times, and we're not going to get into the theology of different versions of what people could think. Let's just look at the simplicity of how we should live with a mindset that Jesus is going to return. And in verse 29, if you've got your Bible, if you can turn with me, it says this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Man, that sounds good. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other cool that i want to be a part of that you know i want to be a part and i pray that you be a part of the elect you know you could be a follower of christ but we have to be always vigilant and diligent that we're knowing the master that we're following him that we're obedient to his will and we don't start living according to our own kind of i want to do this and i'm going to do that because a disciple simply is a follower of christ then if we're not following him then we're not a disciple we're just doing our own thing And then it goes on. It says, this is Jesus talking, from the fig tree learn its lesson. There's a lesson that Jesus is wanting us to learn. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that it is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass pass away see jesus wants us to understand that the lesson of the fig tree and that it represents and, and discusses and, and is helping us understand that he will return one day you see just as the fig tree starts to get some tender shoots and the leaves start to come he's saying hey there's a shift he like summer we, we have spring then we have then we have summer and then we have our autumn then we have our winter there's seasons in life and there's events that need to take place a sequence after one of another and and in the end days there's a sequence of events he's saying so just as the fig tree starts to have the tender shoots and then the leaves and then the fruit you be watchful of what's happening in the season he wants us to be aware and attentive in what's going on you see in 1948 israel became a nation again after 2000 years Many would say that's like some tender shoots, some leaves starting to appear. There's been a shift around Israel. There's, a, there's been a shift in what's happening in the end times. So Jesus is saying, hey, look, be watchful of the events that are happening around the world. And another thing I notice when we talk about a fig tree is, do you know that the fig tree, um, the fruit of the fig tree only ripens on the tree? I've researched this. If the fruit whispers, whispers of this area have got something different, but this is what it says in Dr. Google. It says that um, figs don't ripen off the tree. So other fruits you can take off and you can put them in a cupboard or in a cold room and they will ripen off the tree. But a fig doesn't ripen off the tree. It only ripes on the tree. And so the harvester has to wait. The landowner or farmer has to wait until right at where, when the fruit is plump and juicy has to wait to the last minute 
before they can take the fruit off the tree. And see, God's harvest is in the midnight hour. The, 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 the fig tree lesson is that it gets harvested in the midnight hour. It gets harvested at the very end when its fruit is really ready to go. Because once it's taken off early, it can't ripen. It can only ripen while it's on the tree. And so you could look at the tree and, and see fruit. You could look around the world and think Jesus is coming back tomorrow. And maybe he is, but it could look like it, but it may not be yet. Just as the fig tree has lots of figs, they aren't ready for picking yet. Only the, the, the landowner, only the master, the expert farmer knows when they're fully ripe and when they're fully plump. And we can look and think it's all about to happen. But see, he waits to the last minute. He wants the maximum harvest. He wants the fruit to be ripe. See, God's timing is precise. God's timing is perfect in whatever he's doing. And you can look at your life and your circumstance and say, hey, God, I'm ready for that. This should be happening by now. I want this to happen. And, he, and, and you could think it all looks good and it should happen. But you know what? He's saying, hey, I know when the, root, the, the fruit of your life is ripe. I know when it's, it's I want it to ripen on the tree. And I'm going to wait until you are really ready to the circumstances is my perfect timing. So don't jump ship too early. Don't pull out too early. You know, run the course until God is ready to release you, until the blessing comes. It says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 5, but when the fullness of time had come, God, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. You see, Jesus came in the perfect timing of God. And why did he come when he did? Why did he come a thousand years earlier, a thousand years, years later? Well, see, Israel ceased to exist 40 years after Jesus. Jerusalem in AD 70 was destroyed. And it never became a nation for another 2,000 years until 1948. That's why we're talking about there's some signs of the, the end times. But you see, Jesus came in God's perfect timing. Jesus' first coming was when the, when the figs were ripe, when the figs were at the last part of the season, when, when the figs were fully ripened on the tree, not before and not after, because if it had been left much longer, the, the thought of a Jewish Messiah coming to Israel would not have existed. See, 42 years later, Jesus couldn't come because Israel didn't exist. So in the scheme of eternity, God sent his son in the perfect timing in Israel's history because the Messiah couldn't have come for another 2,000 years for his first coming. You see, the disciples did see apocalyptic events when they saw the destruction of Jerusalem. His timing for the second coming will be precise. His timing for the second coming is going to be when the figs are juicy and plump and are completely ripe on the tree and not beforehand. See, in verse 35 of that, it says this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. See, Jesus' words will not pass away. He's not a liar. God's words are true. He is a way maker. He makes a way for your life where there is no way. He can bring springs up in a desert for you, even in a dry and barren place. He can cause water to come out of the rock. And you can look at the circumstances of your life and think there's no way that this can work out. There's no way I can get through this. There's no way that relationship can come to pass. No way we can have that child. There's no way that we're going to get through this bankruptcy. There's no way we're going to get this through our business through this season with, with this virus going. But God says that I can give you springs in desert places. 
I can cause the water to come from a rock that you don't even think water can come from. He has provisions for you from places you could not even imagine. So he is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. He fulfills his word. What are some words he's spoken over your life? What are some things that he said to you in your heart? He will bring them to pass because he is faithful. He's not unfaithful. He is faithful and his word is true. And he is the light in the darkness. You know, that is his very nature. Why do we say that he's a way maker? Why do we say he's a miracle worker? He's a promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. It's, it's not something he does. It's something he is. It's the essence of his very nature. He walks into a room and miracles happen. He walks into a place and, and, and paths are made in desert places. Springs come forth in a desert. Promises get fulfilled. He walks into a dark room and it's lit up because he is the light. It's not like when he walks in the room and stays dark. He can't let the darkness stay because the light radiates out of him when he walks into a dark room. And that's what he does in our lives. His word is true. See, there's more chance of heaven and earth passing away than his words falling over. He spoke the world into the beginning, into being, and he created the world, the Bible says, and the heavens by his very words. That's why his words are so true and powerful. See, Jesus' words are more secure than the ground that we're standing on in this earth and more secure than the breath and the air that you're breathing. So when he says he will return, he will return when the fruit of the fig is completely ripened on the tree. See, perhaps that's why when the Bible talks about people will walk away or fall away or give up hope because he hadn't come yet. Because they looked and they saw the fruit and said, hey, you should be here yet. You should be coming. You should be now. I can see the fruit. I can see the, 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 the things that are happening in the world. But he says, hey, you might see the fruit, but the fruit needs a little bit more time. The fruit needs to fully ripen on the vine, on the, on the tree. And that's why the master may have delayed his coming and the groom delayed his coming. That's why Jesus talks about a delay and that he would come in the midnight hour. Because what people's expectations were, didn't happen because he was it was a bit longer he took a bit longer he lingered a bit longer because he wants all of humanity to know him he wants everyone to have an opportunity to meet him he doesn't want to lock the door too early he doesn't lock the door until the midnight hour he doesn't want to shut anyone out because that's the heart of God he may be delayed but he will come because his timing is perfect what should you be watching for well, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 to 39, we're going to read this. And this is what Jesus goes on to say. He says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, see, we have a precedent, a precedent that's already happened, so will the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage till the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. See, the flood did come and they were swept away, just as Christ will come and people will be swept away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. You see, they were living normal life, normal life, just everyday life. They were eating and drinking. We have to eat and drink or we die. They were marrying because we have to marry and have children or else the human race can't continue. They weren't necessarily doing anything wrong in eating and drinking and marrying. That, that, in other words, they were just living life as usual. There was, there was nothing that kind of maybe warned them that this was going to happen. See, normal everyday life was happening. They were maybe in a false sense of security. But it also says that Jesus' second coming, there'll be a sign. 
See, the sign that they only had in Noah's day, there was one sign, and it was Noah and the ark. That was the only sign they had. Crazy Noah building an ark. We have a sign. He's Jesus Christ crucified upon the cross. That is our sign. That is our warning. That is our warning alarm for the tsunami to come. The sounding the alarm, Jesus has come. The Christ has been crucified. He's rose the third day. That's your wake-up call. That's time for you to get your life right with God. That's your time to surrender and put everything that you have of yourself at the feet of the cross. To surrender and lay down your life, lay down your will, you lay down your purposes. Because somewhere in this lifetime, you're going to pass away or Christ will return. One will happen before the other. And then you stand before the judgment seat of God. And what we have submitted to his cross and his will and his purposes is what comes to pass. See, at the coming of Christ, they will have a false sense of security. Stay awake, be alert. Jesus talks about it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, it says, But understanding this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpleasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. See, in the last days, there's a preoccupation with pleasure and sensuality. There's a preoccupation of me, of self. See, it's about I. It's about what I can get. Even in the Christian circles, it's, it's about me and my calling and my identity and my this. And hey, I'm not, all those things are important to be healthy in. But at the end of the day, the Bible tells us it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And it's not my will be done, but his will be done, his ways be done. And so Jesus is calling us to live a life that's not according to pleasure and according to what makes us happy or what, what makes us feel joyful. He wants us to live a life in submission and obedience to his purposes, to his will so that you will fulfill your divine destiny. Man, he knows what's good for you better than you do. And you could say, hey, if I go over here and I do this, it's going to be good, I'll feel good, it's going to be great. And maybe you will, but it'll be temporary. He knows in the end, sin leads to death. Our own way leads to death and destruction. And he loves you so much, he's trying to warn you and say, hey, I've got a world and a life mapped out for you that will bring you the most fulfillment that you could ever have. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the things that you love and the things that you hate. He knows the things that you're not even aware of about yourself that that, that are going to bring you so much joy and so much pleasure and that are going to happen in your world. And and you're going to look back on your life and think, oh my goodness, I followed Jesus. I followed him his will in that circumstance I laid my life down in that circumstance I was obedient to him I didn't want to it took everything I had I had to humble my heart it nearly killed me but oh my goodness look at the harvest that I've made look at this thing look at the family I have look at the grandchildren I have look at the the finance look at look at the legacy that God has created for me and generations to come if I had been back there and had gone that way and made that decision oh my goodness I'm so glad that God didn't give up on me So I encourage you, his way is always the better way. His plan is so much higher and better than your plan because he has your highest good installed in mind because he loves you. You know what? Son would ask for an egg, father would give him a a rock or son asked for bread and father give him a scorpion. 
See, us being evil know how to give good gifts. How much our Heavenly Father wants to give good to you. See, in these end times, you need to have a balance between watching out with your lit lamp. See, the lit lamp speaks of revelation, illumination, being aware. The five virgins were aware that didn't take the extra oil, but they just didn't know the groom. You might be a Christian who's aware that Christ is coming, that you will die and, and that there is a God. But do you know the groom? You're the ones that will enter in and not get locked out. Take your backup oil. See, being a diligent steward, like the guys in the talents, is also required. God wants you to live on this earth and and live in a way where you are in the world, but not of it. That you do go to university, you do do a trade, you do buy houses and cars and provide for your family. That you are almost... You know, your feet are on the earth, but your heads are in the heavens. He wants us to live as ambassadors on this earth, but ambassadors from another kingdom. He wants you to be a good steward of what he's calling you to and to be obedient to his will. That you know and do his will for your life and not according to your way. Your way is going to head to destruction. I'll give you a heads up. Don't follow your will and your way. You know, don't do it. If whatever's in you is telling you to do it and you want to do it with all your heart, no, no, no. Listen to his voice, his word. Follow his path for you. Man, don't look at the short term. Look at the big picture of eternity. See, Jesus warns you to be ready and observant of the season you're living in, to beware of the seduction that pursuing your own pleasures will bring. It's at the expense of fulfilling your God-given destiny. By submitting to God's will for your life, will best allow you to be ready and watchful for Jesus' return. How, what do we do to, for, to be expected for Jesus' return? Just do God's will for your life. Just take one step at a time, God's will for your life. What does his word, how to live? What is he telling you to do? Well, Don't walk in a path where it's steering you for, against his word. If you're on a pathway and you're about to do things and go in a way that are contrary to his word, I encourage you to pull your head in. Seriously, pastor to person, pull your head in and follow his word. Submit yourself to his authority. Don't be seduced by an enemy, a devil who's seeking to separate you from the Father and is seeking to separate you from your divine destiny in God. Don't let an enemy steal it from you by deceiving you and having you caught in a, in a cloud or, or a veil over your eyes. Let your eyes see clearly by following his will, by submitting to his will for your life so that the master will find on his return that you have been faithful that you have not been unfaithful. And when he returns and he sees you faithful, he will reward you accordingly, is what Jesus tells us. Let me pray over your church today. If you're comfortable in closing your eyes, and if you're comfortable just lifting your hands up wherever you are, I just want to pray God's will and blessing over your life. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for every person who's heard this message, Father. I just pray, Father, for a spirit of revelation and the knowledge of you, Father. I pray, Father, that your will be done in their life, that your ways come to pass. And I pray for the courage and the wisdom and the understanding on them to submit to your authority, to submit to your will, Father, to submit to your purposes, to lay down their life, no matter how painful it may be, Father, we can't outgive you. And as we lay our ways before your throne, Father, that you would resurrect us up, that you would give us new life, that we would be transformed as human beings, Father and that the nature of God would flow out of us, that we would be a blessing, that we would be a light in dark places. I pray, Father, for every person who's, who's going through something right now, a depression, 
suicidal thoughts, or there's, there's just a blockage in part front of them, or they'd lost hope. I thank you, Lord, for your bright, bold hope. I pray, Lord, that you would make a way where there is no way, that you would penetrate into their world and you would bring healing, Father. You'd bring restoration, Father, that you would give them a testimony upon their mouth that their God is good and that he loves them. And if it wasn't for God, they would never have got through this season. We pray for miracle working power over every life, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepparton.